Halacha, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Dalid, one four. In the previous Mishnah, we had talked about certain scenarios where a foodstuff would be obligated in Chala yet exempt from Maestras. Now we say the converse: certain scenarios where a dough could be obligated in Maestras but exempt from Chala. So the first set of exemptions are where the dough is made of some kind of grain or legume other than from the five species. The Mishnah says, Elu The following list of items are obligated for Trumas and Maestras, but they're exempt from the Chala obligation. Ha'orez, rice, the consensus of poskum that Ha'orez is, Vahadochan, millet, Vahpragim. Bartner learns that Pragim is poppy seeds, like the modern Hebrew pereg, poppy seeds. Vashumshman is sesame seeds. Vakitnios, and the truth is, for all kinds of pulses, beans and peas, etc., um, if one would make uh, dough out of them, one would that dough would be exempt from challah because it's not from the five species. Upachas machameshas revaim betvua. A different kind of exemption is where you have dough that's made from flour from one of the five species, wheat, barley, oats, belt, and rye, but the quantity of flour used is less than the requisite amount. We established previously already that the requisite amount is 43.2 eggs volume, um, something between 8 and 2 thirds and 16 cups of flour, as we discussed before. Um, and that's true here too. We're saying that if you have less than requisite amount, it's even though it's made from flour that is from the five species, that dough is exempt from challah. Now, if you actually run the numbers, which I walked through recently, um, you recall we have these that mnemonic Askalov Gudu, where you write out the five standard measures of volume in the, in the Mishnah. Askalov stands for Eifa, Sa, Kav, Lug, and Beitza. And Gudu, if you write those letters, Gimel Vav, Dalad Vav, beneath, in between those five, you get um, the idea that there's three, for example, three Sa'a in one Eifa, and six Kavan in one Sa, etc. So you run the numbers, um, you see that since there are six Beitzas in one Lug, and there are four Lugin in one Kav, so that means that there's six times four, or 24 Beitza in one Kav. Our mission says the amount of flour needed is five-fourths of a Kav, but five-fourths of 24 is 30. That means, according to our mission, it sounds like if you have even 30 eggs worth of flour, that would be obligated in uh, taking challah. And we've already established it's 43.2 eggs. So if you're scratching your head wondering what the discrepancy is about, here it is very briefly. There were three different, what I'll loosely call, um, measuring cups, measuring sizes they used in the course of Jewish halakhic history. Um, originally, in the Midbar, in the desert, they had Midos Midbarios, the measurements from the desert, which are exactly as I just laid out. Later on, when Klaus Shal, um set up a Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, they increased the size of their measuring cups, meaning, let's say, for example, the Kav, by a Shtus, meaning by 20%. So the Kav, which used to hold 24 eggs, eggs didn't change in size, but now it holds 20% more um, than before, so you'd have to figure out 24 times 1.2 to get the number of eggs in the Yerushalmi Kav, what are called Midos Yerushalmios. And then again, 
when the, after Beis Megdash was destroyed and the Sanhedrin moved from Yerushalayim to Sipori, um, they again added a shtus, 20%, to the size of their standard measures. Um, so again, the measuring cup called the Kav grew by 20%. Of course, the egg didn't change in size, and therefore you can fit another 20% more eggs inside the Kav. So if you just run the numbers to figure out how you convert from Midos Midbarios, the desert measures, to Midos Yushalmios, you've got to multiply by 1.2. If again, you want to convert from Midos Yushalmios, the Jerusalem measures, to Midos Tsiporios, the Tsipori measures, you have to multiply by 1.2 again. Um, 1.2 times 1.2 is 1.44. And if you multiply what we said before, that five-fourths of a cob is equivalent of 30 eggs, if you multiply 30 times 1.44, you'll get to the 43.2 number we're looking for. So in short, for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, the Mishnah does something unusual. And although usually the Mishnah sticks to Midos Midbarios, the original system, the Askalav Gudu system, I'll call it, this particular Mishnah, when it says five-fourths of a kav, it's referring to five-fourths of the Tsipori larger kav. Okay, fine. The Mishnah continues on now, and will list certain types of, uh, I'll call them Mazonos things, for lack of a better term, at the minute, um, that don't constitute lechem, bread proper. The Pasuk says that you will... Um, it says, When you eat from the bread of the land, there's an obligation for challah. The drush says, Not everything counts as lechem, only some subset of, uh, I'll call it baked grain now for a second, uh, constitutes lechem and is, has the challah requirement. But other types of ways you might prepare grain doesn't constitute the kind of dough that is required to take challah from. So, the translation of the next four um, mazonosy things, yeah, grain products, um, will depend a little bit on how one understands the requirements of what constitutes obligation for challah. So there are two machloksin that I want to bring to the fore here, and then all the parties will have to understand the Mishnah based according to their shita. But this is what everyone does agree upon. Everyone agrees that conventional baked grain, when you bake it in an oven, that is the kind of product which is called bread, lechem, and that, if you're going to take dough and bake it in an oven, that's required to take challah. On the other hand, if you're going to um, boil or fry grain, boiling in water, frying in oil, then it would be exempt from the the uh, challah requirement. We'll come back in a minute to the question of something like a bagel where you first boil it, then you bake it. That's for another Mishnah. In any case... Um, as far as the question of what happens if instead of putting it into an oven, you cook it in a pan over a fire. So it's not in an oven, but it's using dry heat, not oil or water. So that is a machlokas between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Okay, those are Amarayim. So Rabbi Yochanan holds that something cooked in a pan over a fire, like let's say a pancake, is obligated in challah, whereas Reish Lakish says, no, it's not. It has to be in an oven. Okay, so the halacha we pass and like Rabbi Yochanan, so we will say pancakes will need to have um, challah taken from them, but Rabbi Rishlakish would say no. Um, and that will be reflected here in the Mishnah according to their readings. And um, there's a second machlokus that is important, that's a machlokus Roshonim, Rabbeinu Tam, from the Balai Tosfos, so he understands that only 
thick dough preparations are obligated in challah. But thin batters that one would use to make, you know, like a, a crepe or a thin batter you'd use to make even, you know, a, a cake perhaps, um, is exempt from the challah requirement. Whereas the Ramban, the Rosh, etc., do say that thin batter is subject to the challah requirement. You simply have to first um, bake it or pan fry it. And then once you have your bread, then you'll take your challah from the from it after it came out the oven, etc. Okay, so because of those machloks and those parties will read these the reason why these four are exempt differently. They'll say the Matzias is different. Um, I will just simply I'll give you the Bartonur's translations here for what they're worth, and then you at least have something. So we have four types of um, grain products which are going to be exempt from challah because they don't constitute bread. What they are again will be subject to the machloks that I just described. But here's the Bartonur's translations. First is hasufganin. So sufganin sounds like the modern day Hebrew sufganiyot. Um, indeed, the Bartonur's pshat, his first pshat is that it's um, bread that starts out as a batter, and uh, it, when it when it bakes, it becomes like spongy, like a sponge cake. The word sfog is a sponge, um, and he gives a second pshat that it's very thin wafers. Okay. Then duvshanin, from the word devash, honey. So he gives two pshatim again, the bartender does. Either they're um, food that's like bread that's fried in honey, or alternatively says it's just um, flour that's kneaded with honey. The third is kirtin, which he says is also some kind of very thin um, batter. Maybe it makes crepes or something like that. It's a thin batter. And finally, Fachalas hamisres, which is a a bread that's um, uh, scalded with with water over the fire, like over the in, in the pan, and you use hot hot water to do it. So those things are all exempt. Um, and again, there are different pshat what those things are depending on um, which of the sheets you're following in terms of those cloaks. And I said a minute ago, and period. And now the mission has one more example, which is hamaduma. This is something entirely different. Meduma, you'll recall from Masechus Trumos, is a mixture of truma and chulin. So while normally the, if you have a mixture of Isser and Heter, you need rove, a simple majority. In the case of truma, the rabbis upped it to require you to need, loosely speaking now, a hundred times of chulin to one part of truma in order to make that mixture permissible to a non-Kohen. If you have less than that, then a Kohen, only a Kohen could eat the mixture. So so our Mishnah here is saying that if you have a dough and the dough has a status of maduma, since it's already like, I'll call it now quasi-truma, the Pasuk which says tarimu truma, you'll lift up the truma from this non, I'll call it now non-truma dough, doesn't apply because it already is quasi-truma dough and therefore it's exempt from the challah requirement. Maduma dough, exempt from the challah requirement. Now worth pointing out, of course, not of course, but worth pointing out that we're talking about a case where the dough was always maduma. I mean, the flour was always maduma. If you first had dough, which was chulin, and you mix it with, you know, water mixed with flour that was chulin, and you have dough that's regular dough, the challah obligation kicked in. If later on some other, let's say some other truma dough or challah dough falls in and mixes all together with it, uh, since the chiyav challah was already there, it doesn't disappear. Okay? So the Mishnah ends by saying, all those items on the list we just enumerated are peturin minachala. They are exempt from challah.